More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, we got a new spend for bad poll numbers for the President of the United States of America. They're spending it over at MSNBC by saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal that he's got the worst poll numbers of any president at this point going into a election year. Take a listen on MSNBC as they're like, yeah, you know, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's just a snapshot. Maura is ta- t- talking about the skepticism, Maura, really quickly. I'm so sorry, Mika. Talking about the skepticism really quickly of polling. Um <laughs> I said that to, uh, to uh, a reporter a couple of days ago. I was like, I, I just, you know what? Just, I don't want to hear the polls. I don't want to hear them because we heard that Joe Biden was going to win in a landslide in 2020. He didn't. We heard that Republicans were going to win in a massive red wave in 2022, even when we didn't feel it. But we heard it and everybody told us and everybody talked about it. And then it didn't happen. I just, again, I, 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 I just, again, I really do wonder, Maura, what voter in suburban Atlanta that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020 is going to say, well, you know what? I didn't vote for him in 2020, but now after January the 6th and after he stole nuclear secrets and after he tried to get his own people to destroy uh, his, his tapes, and after everybody that's testified against him in all these cases are people that he hired himself. And after he said he was going to terminate the Constitution, yeah, yeah, I think my friends in Alpharetta and I, we're going to go knock on doors for... By, by the way, I love how they're like nuclear secrets. Did you hear that? Yeah, after he stole nuclear secrets, like they're just making up crap as they go here. So the Democrats don't like the polls now. They're critical of the polls that they create... Because they're the ones that create these polls, to be clear. They're the ones that do the polling at NBC, MSNBC. Like, they're they're their polls, y'all. They're like, they're actually their polls. They are the ones that actually do these polls. And, and now they don't like those polls because they think those polls are terrible, right? They think those polls are just mean. They think those, these polls are bad. And, and, and these, these polls are, are polls that, well, I'm skeptical of because I can't believe that anybody would vote for Donald Trump. This goes back to the disdain issue here and, and the amount of disdain. Right. I mean, I mean, this this is this is a, a amount of dis, the, the the amount of disdain that they have for people when it comes to those that will not vote for 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 their candidate. Right. They, they, they hate you. They are beneath you. They, 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 they can't stand you. And, and if you do vote, they're going to do what they can to try to flip your vote. That, that's part of what this really is. It's a, 
It's a, we do what we want to do, and if you don't follow our lead, then we'll just get rid of the guy that you elect. That's what they did with Donald Trump, right? He won an election in 2016, and for four years, they were undermining him, making sure that every step of the way, every step of the way, that when you, that, that you were, that he was being undermined. They were impeaching him, even though they knew the Steele dossier was created by the Democrats and created by the DNC and created by Hillary Clinton's campaign. Like, they knew that. And they knew when they were impeaching him that while they were doing it, they were impeaching him over something that that was a lie because they're the ones that paid for the lie. Like they're the ones that created the lie. And they know that as well. They, they knew all of this. Everything I just said to you, they, they, they know this, right? Like they, they know it. It's incredibly frustrating to then hear them come out and tell you that the polling sucks and because, but, but again, they're going back to their narrative, right? The polling sucks. However, I just can't get my head around somebody that could possibly want to vote for Donald Trump. This is how much they hate you. And, and this is also how much they're going to try to overthrow the will of the people this next time. Because you don't deserve to vote if you don't vote for who they say is a good candidate. That, that's, that's part of this, right? Like You don't deserve a say-so. If you vote for somebody that we tell you you shouldn't be voting for. And then if the polling sucks for our guy, then we don't trust the polling or the pollsters that we employ that give us polls because our candidate must be so amazing. And Joe Biden, keep listening. Donald Trump. I don't see it happening. I actually I totally agree. I think we like to think of polls as. Uh, as though they're biblical in some way, um, or they're perfectly scientific. It's really more of an art in many ways. It's just a snapshot in time of people you happen to catch on a certain day um, who may or may not honestly tell you what they're feeling is. And then you have to put it into the context of, you know, there is a choice, and there will be a choice between two individuals. Um, And on that day, the question is always, which voters are the most motivated to show up? How many of them are there? And of course, campaigning matters. Getting out the vote matters. And all of this is to say that there are probably many Americans who may not be feeling that excited or enthusiastic about voting for President Biden. But on the day of, I think many of them will show up anyway, because they certainly don't want the alternative in Donald Trump. I think we've seen that consistently in those polls. And so this is about turnout as much as it is about uh, polls that are up and down on a specific candidate. So I think it's it's early and it's you don't want to take polls uh, just by their word and, and move on. This is about something bigger than that. There's a context here. But I, I love this. They're just like, you know, well, historically here, it's much bigger. So I think it, it's it, it's early and you don't want to take polls just by their word and move on. OK, so. Joe Biden in the polls, they say sucks. No, 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 we don't want to. No, he doesn't suck, right? The economy is terrible. No, it's not. We we think that at the end of the day, people will look at that Joe Biden and and the babbling idiot that he's become, and they'll say, well, he's still got to be better than Donald Trump. Now, I'll even say this. There could be some truth to that. If Donald Trump keeps um, arguing over spilled milk and keeps arguing over the election 2016, our 2020 and the election results saying it was stolen and he campaigns on that, which he shouldn't. If he campaigns on the issues, he'll win. If he does go back and keep saying it was stolen, it was stolen, it was stolen and keeps trying to argue over that, which at this point, no one cares about. Talk about the economy now. Talk about how bad Biden is now. 
talk about how bad Biden is for the country right now. That's all that really matters right now. Like, that's it. Like, you don't need anything else. That's the whole ball game. If you argue over that, Donald Trump wins. But he's going to have to be disciplined as a leader and a politician. If he goes back and keeps rehashing 2020 and runs off of 2020, it, that's how he loses the general election. And unfortunately, Democrats know that he'll take the bait 99% of the time. So he's going to have to learn to not take the bait. Is he going to be disciplined enough not to? When they ask him a question about the stolen election, right, the rigged election, he'll, he'll give you 20 minutes of sound bites. And that's how they keep the other subjects like the economy and the war in Ukraine and the money that's being and the Biden corruption off of the front pages. Every time you talk about the election being rigged, you're taking these other issues off the front pages. That's the problem. And he's going to have to really understand that as a candidate that as much as he may want to talk about what happened in 2020, it's not the issue that's going to get you reelected. It's not the issue that's going to get you to win. Okay, it, 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 that's that's the problem here. So that aspect of this, they could be telling the truth. But I still think this idea that they're like, oh, I don't trust pollsters anymore. Like, give me a break. Like, that's your line you're going to go with? I don't trust pollsters? Really? Dana Bash on CNN had this to say about the new poll numbers for Joe Biden that do not look good. Today on Inside Politics, there is no way to spin this. CNN reads the country's mood right now and finds that America is deeply unhappy with Joe Biden. Most Democratic voters hope for a change at the top of the ticket, and Americans don't take the president at his word when he talks about his son, Hunter. Plus, a deal he couldn't refuse. Trump employee number four flips after the government promises to shield the Mar-a-Lago IT manager from prosecution. And a road to ruin paved by the former president. Mike Pence warns that Republicans are headed for extinction, but is anyone in what is very much still Trump's GOP listening? Chris Christie will be here to talk about that and more in moments. I'm Dana Bash. Let's go behind the headlines and inside politics. Up first, our new poll has important new takeaways about 2024. There is deep-rooted dissatisfaction with the incumbent and the direction he is taking the country. There are even deeper doubts about if Mr. Biden is up to the job again. CNN's David Chalian is standing by for us at the magic wall. David, these numbers are just not good if you are a sitting president of the United States. Show us what they tell us. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Dana. This, this is setting off alarm bells inside the Biden campaign in the White House. Overall, his approval rating is down now at 39% approved. So more than six in 10 Americans disapprove of the job he's doing. And you see, he's been hovering here for a little bit, Dana, since the spring. You mentioned that Democrats would like somebody other than Biden as the nominee of their party. That is dramatically so. Two-thirds of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters say that they would like a different candidate to be the Democratic nominee. Only a third of Democrats and Democratic leaners say they want Joe Biden to be the nominee. And we asked this open-ended question of Democrats and Democratic leaners, what is your biggest concern about a Biden candidacy? It's not even close, Dana. 49% say it's his age, 7% mental sharpness, 7% health, ability to do the job. This is all related to Joe Biden being the oldest president currently serving and obviously asking the country to renew his contract for four more years beyond next year. And what about a potential Biden-Trump rematch? What do our numbers say about that? 
Dana, it is a dead heat race, basically. Uh, 47% Trump, 46% Biden. This is the first time we at CNN this cycle have tested a general election matchup like this. And this is no clear leader, well within the margin of error, uh, a real dead heat contest. And you know what? It's not a contest many Americans are all that psyched about. I mean, look at their favorability numbers. They're the same. 35% of Americans have a favorable view of Joe Biden. 35% of Americans in this poll have a favorable view of Donald Trump. And Dana, look at some of these attributes for the president. He doesn't have majority support for any of them. 45% of Americans says he cares about people like you. 33% say they're proud to have Biden as a president. Only 28% of Americans says that the president inspires confidence, Dana. Wow, pretty uh, incredible numbers there. Dave. I, I love this. Wow. Pretty incredible numbers. All right. So these numbers suck. They're awful. So how do we spin them? Right. We go back to, well, Trump sucks even more. That's that's how we do this. We go into Trump sucks even more. And, and we tell people that Donald Trump is the worst president ever. And then we'll stick with it that way. Or we go back to the other thing. We go back to uh, COVID, right? And the COVID election, and maybe we get it that way. That's a possibility. We'll just bring back COVID 3.0, 4.0, whatever point oh we're at at this point. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. There is a problem that's happening for Democrats right now, specifically. That problem is they're now having to deal with the crisis at our southern border as is being brought to cities, yeah, where they claim they were a welcoming city. That's no longer the case. New York said, bring us everybody and we will host you and take care of you and give you hotels. And now that mayor is losing his mind as they are overrun with illegal immigrants who took them at their word. Mike Pence saying this about the idea that the New York Mayor Adams is actually trying to blame Donald Trump for the migrant crisis. This is hysterical. Listen. 
Great to see you, Mr. Vice President. Good to see you, bro. Your fault. You and Donald Trump's <laughs> fault. What's your reaction to the blame game? Well, two, look, uh, you've uh, been in office in two and a half years. Yeah, look, it, it, it was Labor Day. I was up in New Hampshire, and uh, you know, I, I said uh, on New York radio that I appreciate. I appreciate Mayor Adams calling out Joe Biden, uh, but uh, it's it's pretty rich to hear him say that uh, after our administration reduced illegal immigration uh, and asylum abuse by 90 percent by building hundreds of miles of wall, remain in Mexico policy that I negotiated on behalf of the administration and Title 42. Uh, and then Joe Biden came in and on day one, he dismantled all of the policies of our administration that had worked to secure the southern border of the United States. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate Mayor Adams conceding the fact that this is a Biden administration problem, but it, it originated with the Biden administration as well. And the American Do you think people he believes it. what he said? Do you think he believes what he said? <laughs> just, it's really hard to believe. Literally, I mean, we had secured the southern border of the United States. And, you know, it, as I'm out traveling all across the country campaigning for the Republican nomination, sometimes people say to me, do you, do you think we can secure the southern border? I remind them, we did it before. OK, we, we literally secured the southern border of the United States. We can do it again. But Joe Biden's open borders policies have created the worst border crisis in American history. If I'm president of the United States, day one, we put back into effect the policies that, that worked in our administration and build out from there to secure our border and fix this broken immigration system. Now, here's the part that I laugh. Mike Pence, and I, wanted you, I just wanted you to hear what he said because it is hilarious, right? Somehow this is the Trump-Pence policy problem. That's what the mayor of New York saying, which is absurd. They didn't have this problem there when, when Donald Trump was the president of the United States of America. They got this problem when Joe Biden opened up the southern border, and then they started shipping illegal immigrants to New York after New York was like, we'll take them all. We, we, we would love to have these people come in. We would love to take care of them. We're a welcoming, opening, loving city. Now, Senator Ted Cruz was on uh, as well on Fox talking about this, right? This is a problem in Texas. Senator Cruz blasting Democratic cities for changing their tune on the migrant crisis, saying it's an astonishing hypocrisy from the left. Listen. We've been able to pull in Senator Ted Cruz. I know he's busy on the Hill, Republican from Texas, ranking member of the Senate Commerce Committee, also a member of the Senate Judiciary and Foreign Relations Committees. So I know I don't have you for long. Senator, first of all, uh, when you hear Eric Adams here in New York, the mayor, and other Democrat-led cities leaders saying, oh, they're feeling the pain and, and we're a sanctuary city, but, 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 what do you say? You, you know, it really is astonishing hypocrisy. You've got Eric Adams, you've got the governor of New York, you've got the governor of Massachusetts, you've got the mayor of Washington, D.C., the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of San Francisco, all of them are discovering suddenly the burdens of Joe Biden's open borders and illegal immigration. And they're seeing thousands or tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants. And they're discovering that it drives up crime rates, that it drives mm -hmm. up uh, it, it drives up the burdens on the city. It overcrowds the, the schools, it overcrowds the hospitals. And, and I got to say, coming from Texas, it, it's amusing. We've had seven million illegal immigrants under Joe Biden. And so seeing Eric Adams complain about 100,000 it, it is cute, but he still doesn't bother to put the blame where it belongs. This is a political decision by Joe Biden, by Kamala Harris, and by the way, by Chuck Schumer. If Eric Adams wants to talk to someone, Chuck Schumer lives in New York City. 
He says rightly that illegal immigration is destroying New York City. Well, he can pick up the phone and tell Chuck Schumer to stop fighting for open borders, to stop protecting the Biden administration as they lawlessly open the borders. Can you talk to me about the focus on the dissolution, if you will, that the degradation here in New York, but that focus was never on Texas. You yeah. didn't hear Governor Greg Abbott. And I know I've, I've interviewed you and him and others from that beautiful state where I have family. Um, many, many times have heard how they are crushed under the weight of illegals coming across the border. But no one ever says it's going to change us to the point where we cease to exist. I mean, is yeah. that desperation or is that true coming out of the city's mayor? How bad do you think it will get for them? Because they aren't handling it well. Look, I think it's both. And I think it is it is utter hypocrisy at the same time. The, the, the order of magnitude is really different. Listen, this was stark last year. You, you, you look at a community like Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard has a mm. population between 20 and 30,000 people. And, and when Governor Ron DeSantis sent 50, five zero illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, they freaked out. They declared an emergency. They called in the National Guard and they deported them within 24 hours. To, to put that in comparison, I want you to compare it to another town that is about the same size as Martha's Vineyard. That is Del Rio, Texas. Del mm -hmm. Rio, Texas is a town right on the border on the Rio Grande River has a population of about 30,000 people. I was there in Del Rio when on one single day there were between 10 and 15,000 illegal immigrants in a single day. 50% of the population of Del Rio all gathered under a bridge right there invading the city. Martha's Vineyard says 50 is an emergency. Eric Adams says in New York City, 100,000 is an emergency. We've got Texas towns where half the population is coming in illegally, and yet the Democrats still refuse to do anything about it. Today, Joe Biden is releasing more illegal immigrants, is enriching more human traffickers, is allowing more and more illegal drugs and fentanyl to flood across the border that is killing Americans across our country. Wow. Senator, I'm glad you're with us. I'm going to get to this now because we just found out about these court documents. And by, by the way, I, you listen to him explaining how bad it is. And Democrats are like, all right, it's bad. Like we're admitting it's bad at the border, right? It's bad. And, and but the real problem is now it's becoming our problem in these cities. And so Adams is like, well, you don't understand how bad it is. Uh, Guy Benson, New York City. They're talking about this last night on TV. Listen to what he had to say about this at Fox as well about this, quote, massive crisis in New York. How you doing? Doing great. Great, awesome. You look fantastic. Oh, thank you. Is the only solution to put a re Republican in charge, and because that's not possible, we're doomed? There's probably no great immediate solution in some of these places, and I am just blown away by the ratcheting up of the rhetoric from Mayor Adams because we're not that far removed from the Trump years, and all these people were saying back when Trump was president, Oh, let's read the Statue of Liberty poem. And right. The poor and the huddled masses. And now he's like, it's destroying our city. It's just a few years later. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a reality check. Right. And I'm now seeing Adams getting attacked by the left for being a mini Trump for just recognizing the problem playing out in front of his eyes. And he's trying to sort of blame Republicans. They're not really saying the final thing out loud, which is they need to secure the border and then this will stop because they don't want to piss off their base because right. their base actually doesn't believe it. I don't want to know what's their definition of sanctuary. 
Yeah. Right. They're also happy with their sanctuary policies. What exactly do you think that means? Mm -hmm. Aside from we're not Republicans and we like immigrants that it was virtue signaling. Now they are confronted with the actual consequences and they're like, whoa, we did not sign up for this. Yeah. It's a I, wonderful lesson. I remember it was Adams who was saying people were going to have to take people in, which actually would be the literal definition of a sanctuary, that if you believe in the sanctuary, Emily, you should have some you should have one of these illegal immigrants off the street and in your house, which I hear you've been doing. Congratulations. <laughs> and, and one of the things that he said that was mentioned there in this conversation is that, well, we're going to need people to open up their homes and take people in. Really? You, that's what you want? You want people to open up their homes and take people in? Like, that's, your, that's, that's how you're going to deal with this? Come on. That's the, that's the solution here? Really? Like, that's it. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Come on. This guy is such a, a, an idiot. He pandered, and now he's having to deal with the pandering, right? Like, what do you do now? Mayor Adams has come out saying that um, you, you, we can't sustain this. We can't keep this happening. He warns that this migrant crisis is going to destroy the city. Listen. We turned this city around in 20 months. And then what happened? Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the t children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. Month after month, I stood up and I said, this is going to come to a neighborhood near you. Well, we're here. We're here. We're getting no support on this national crisis. Oh, it's a national crisis. Wow. What a change of tune, right? National crisis. It gets better. And we're receiving no support. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City destroy new york city okay so if we use that logic then i think it's fair to say that every other city that's dealing with this times a thousand it's destroying their cities too isn't it right it's, i mean it's destroying them you know he also went on tv to complain about illegal immigrants yesterday the day before here's what he said this is a national and statewide issue that has been unjustly dropped into the lap of new york city residents we only make up 0.05 of the land mass in New York State. 0.05. That's what we make up. Yet we are housing over 99% of the migrants. I I sit back and I enjoy these moments, watching them freak out, um, calling it things like this. This is not a sign of a uh, progress. Uh, this is a sign of a crisis, a uh, greatest, I believe, humanitarian crisis the city has ever witnessed. Okay, so if that's true, then why are you not calling for securing the border, right? This influx, the greatest humanitarian crisis the city has ever witnessed. Okay, then you should call right now to secure the border, and you're not. He did a seven-minute sit-down interview with, with CBS this morning, 
And 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 yet he does an entire seven minute interview. He doesn't once call for securing the border. He calls it a humanitarian crisis. He calls it a crisis that that is, that is rocking the city. That this is going to destroy his city. But he will not say we must secure the border because he's a wuss. He's putting his politics ahead of the safety and security and the prosperity of the citizens he represents. He's trying to blame the insane man down in Texas that that bust some people up to New York City, which is again hysterical. Listen how CBS this morning put it to him. The U.S. is facing a humanitarian crisis over where to place migrants who are seeking asylum in this country. In New York City, a new center has just opened up on Randall's Island. It's expected to house, listen to this number, up to 3,000 migrants. Other cities like Los Angeles, Boston, and Chicago are also trying to manage an overwhelming number of new arrivals. Our national correspondent, Jerika Duncan, spoke with the mayor of New York City, about how to handle the situation here. A lot of people feel it's out of control here already. It truly is, and we've seen more of that over the last year. You know, the mayor that we sat down with, Eric Adams, predicts that the city could spend upwards of $12 billion over three years without more help from the state. More than 500 migrants arrived in New York City on Sunday alone. And last week we spoke with some of them who say they are simply looking for a better life. Around 6 a.m., two buses with dozens of migrants pull into the heart of New York City. Marjorie Tovar came from Venezuela and says she's happy to be here. Happy because God gave me the opportunity to arrive here with my daughters. The National Guard directs them to an intake center, roughly 20 minutes away on foot. But community organizer Power Malou and others step in to get the migrants Ubers while handing out snacks. We first triage, we listen to their stories, we listen to their needs. Are you overwhelmed? No, I am not overwhelmed. I am a little bit upset that we are going from one whole year and we still have people sitting in hotels and in shelters and we have not done the proper outreach. Since spring of last year, New York City officials say they've provided shelter and care for over 100,000 asylum seekers. On Randall's Island is where you'll find the latest center to open, with rows of cots, a place to shower, and a dining area. Mayor Eric Adams says it's expected to house up to 3,000 people. Is this a sign of... By the way, 3,000 people. So what Adams is now realizing is exactly what border states have been dealing with now for years and years and years. And he's saying it's going to destroy his city, but he won't say so. He'll admit it's going to destroy his city. It's going to destroy the city. It's going to hurt the city. But what he won't say, OK, what they won't say to be very clear is that we need to secure the border. They'll say everything else but that. Listen to the second part of Mayor Adams freaking out about the influx, calling it a great humanitarian crisis that's going to ruin his city, but he still won't say the magic words. We must secure the border to stop this from happening in New York. Listen. Progress, or does this speak to the humanitarian crisis your city is facing? This is not a sign of uh, progress. Uh, This is a sign of a crisis, a greatest, I believe, humanitarian crisis the city has ever witnessed. But some, like Malou, have been critical of the mayor questioning how money is being spent and how migrants are being treated. The respite sites with no showers, 
the no AC, the people practically sleeping on top of each other, the people getting threatened that they're going to get deported if they complain about a living condition, people calling us and telling us they're moving us from one hotel to another hotel. Malou says migrants at city-run facilities have sent him pictures of frozen food. By, by the way, can we just, do you understand what's happening here? These people are mad that they're having to move from one hotel to another hotel. They're mad that their food isn't perfect. These are the illegal immigrants that are coming to this country, and then they're angry after they break into our country that they're having to move hotel rooms. You poor little babies. If you don't like it, then go back to the country you came from. If you don't like it, don't break into our country. They shouldn't be getting free food, by the way, and they shouldn't be getting a free hotel room. That's part of the reason why some people are going to New York City now is because of all the liberal handouts are like, oh, this is awesome. I get to live in a hotel. I get free food. And now they're like, oh, but they're traumatizing me. They're telling me that if I talk about how bad the conditions are that I'm staying in for months on end, that they're going to deport me. Well, then you, you should be deported just because you're here. If you don't like it, get the hell out of my country. And meals consisting of just crackers and fruit cups. We showed those images to the mayor. Have you heard this before? Uh, uh, no, especially with the frozen food we have. When we hear about one of our service providers not meeting our standards, we immediately get in. And we need to be clear that I'm on the ground. I'm not detached from this. I walk through surprise visits to see the quality of service. How so, often? Uh, very often. Very once often. I can give you once a week. I am looking at one of the locations to make sure we're reaching the standards. The city has demanded help from the state. In response, last week, an attorney for New York Governor Kathy Hochul sent a scathing letter to a judge as part of a legal proceeding. In part, she raised concerns about the mayor's handling of the migrant crisis. The state alleges that you didn't share information promptly, that you all did not implement programs in a timely manner. She says you've turned away opportunities to house thousands of migrants. When we looked at the analysis of about the 12 spaces they gave us, some of them were in floodplain areas. Some of them were not suitable to build in. On top of that, Mayor Adams says there's another complicated issue at play, the right to work. Legally, migrants must wait six months after they've applied for asylum before they are eligible for work permits. And due to backlogs, the wait could take years. What specifically can you do to address that issue? By, by the way, all this complaining from illegal immigrants, well, I'm having to wait too long to work. I'm having to wait too long for this. I'm, I, I don't like the food. I don't like the hotel room you're putting me in. Get the hell out of my country. Get the hell out of my country. Please get out of my country. If you don't like it, get out. You broke in, get out. And if we'd stop feeding them, they'll leave. If you stop housing them, they won't come. If you stop giving them the American dream for, for, while breaking the law, they'll stop showing up. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Listen to this last part, by the way. Adam's talking about the future in New York. Of migrants not being able to work. We're going to do the duality of calling for, rightfully, the resources for the city. Even something simple as calling a calling state of emergency. If the president does that, it allows us to get resources... According to current and former senior U.S. officials and internal documents, the White House has been reluctant to push ahead policy changes because of legal risks, political optics, and a spike in border crossings. The White House emphasized in a statement to CBS News its commitment to working with cities, but said ultimately Congress needs to approve additional funding. What would you say to President Biden if he's listening right now? The precursor to sleep to enjoy the American dream is the right to work. The right to work. Let them work. That's what Jason Silva, who fled Colombia, is hoping for. I really want to work. I pray to God a lot for this. I beg every person I speak with to help me. The mayor's office told us any threats against migrants are unacceptable and all housing sites do have AC and viable shower options. And while the situation is not ideal, the city is, quote, out of good options and even okay options. In response to the mayor's claim that housing sites the state offered were not suitable to build in, the governor's office said it's confident those locations could be made operational so many issues at stake obviously as we were speaking during the package the right to work um and what the mayor was saying is amazing how they're like hey these people they deserve the right to work like you notice this is just all right look hurry up make them citizens you notice that's the end that's the end game here Just, just just hurry up make them citizens okay if you this will fix the problem if you'll just hurry up and make them citizens that's what we're missing here Right. Like just just make them citizens. And if you do that, then this will fix all of our problems. It's just that simple. Just make them citizens, for goodness sakes. Right. Just just make them citizens. Give them the right to work. Let them work. Make sure they work. Right. Just 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 make them allow them to work. Allow them to work. Let them work. Just get them to work. Let them work. And that'll fix our problem. It's disgusting. Make sure you share this podcast, please, with your family and friends. Write us a five-star review as well. It helps us reach more people. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest-growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.